0: Welcome to another episode of Her Daily Drive. I'm Sarah, and these podcasts are designed to encourage and inspire you to find your daily drive in Jesus through hearing stories of other women who are already on their journey with Him. In today's episode, I interview Baroness Caroline Cox. For those of you who don't know, Caroline is the founder and CEO of Heart. Heart's object is to support the forgotten people of Europe, Africa and Asia, the oppressed and the persecuted, and often those neglected by other organisations, largely out of sight of the world's media. Can you tell us, Lady Cox, when did God become real for you?
1: Thank you for the question. Thank you for having me with you today. It's a joy to be with you and to share some thoughts and experiences. I was lucky to be brought up in a Christian family. An Anglican Christian family. I was confirmed in the Anglican Church at the age of 11. That meant a lot to me. And the confirmation text which the bishop gave was Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and a good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. For I, your God, am with you wherever you go. I've hung on to that. I am very often afraid and dismayed. But I do remind myself of my confirmation text. And I've tried to grow in faith since then.
0: And at what point in your life did you feel a call to speak up for the voiceless?
1: I think the way my life has developed wasn't always my intention. We have a God who does exceeding abundantly of anything we ask or imagine. And when I introduce myself, I always say I'm a nurse, my primary profession and a wonderful profession, and a social scientist by intention. That's what I thought I was doing in my life. And I had that funny title, Baroness, by astonishment. It was, I would say, a god sense of humour, because you become a Baroness in Britain by being appointed to the British House of Lords, which is the equivalent of your Senate. And of course, that's the political arena. I wasn't into politics. I don't much like politics. And I was so much not in that world, I was the first Baroness I'd ever met. I met one before. I didn't move in those circles. You wake up one morning and find a baroness looking at yourself at the bathroom mirror. It's quite a shock. But you think, well, also what a privilege. How can I use this privilege of being able to speak in the British Parliament? And I think the thought came very clearly. It's a wonderful place to be a voice for those who don't have a voice. So that's really how that has grown from the appointment to the British Parliament, which, of course, is an arena for being a voice.
0: Lady Cox, why is it important that those of us who have a voice speak for the voiceless?
1: I think those of us who have freedom and who have relative plenty should never ever underestimate the importance of freedom. In our work with Heart, Humanity I need Relief Trust, in work with a lot of victims of oppression and persecution, but also maybe people in our own countries who are not always free to speak, may live in very closed communities with huge pressure not to speak out. I'm doing a lot of work in Britain at the moment with Muslim women are suffering from the effects of Sharia law, uh, which can be very discriminatory against women, and sometimes live in closed communities where it's great pressure not to speak out, but it's going to bring so-called shame on the community. So I've got a mandate, I think, to be a voice for those who don't have a voice, whether it's abroad for victims of oppression and persecution, uh, who are often trapped behind closed borders, which is what Heart's remit is, to try to be with those people where the big aid organisations don't go, because they can only go places with the permission of a sovereign government. And if a sovereign government is victimising a minority in its own borders, doesn't give permission, then the big aid organisations don't go there so people are left unreached, unhelped, unheard. So heart tends to work and be a voice for people trapped behind those closed borders. For example, a month ago I was in the Republic of Sudan, where the government in Khartoum, is an Islamist regime, is carrying out a de facto genocide against its own people in the Nuba Mountains. And in Brunei, we were across the border, trying to give some help, but also getting the evidence to be able to be a voice. Some parts of Burma, there's still fighting going on, uh, like in Shan State, northern Shan, southern Kachin State, with the Rohingya Muslim people, and it's important to be a voice for them. So important to be a voice to use our freedom for those who don't have the freedom to speak for themselves, wherever they are, abroad or in our own countries.
0: Do you think it's important to have women
1: in leadership? It's enormously important to encourage women to lead. Um, Women are half the human race. Uh, Women have many, many competencies, obviously, which need to be encouraged. They can be able to make their proper contribution to whatever society they're in and also for the opportunity for them to realise their own potential, to be affirmed as people who deserve to be listened to and it's really important to enable and encourage women to speak and to make their own contributions in the public square.
0: Lady Cox, how does the Bible influence how you live your everyday life?
1: Well, as a Christian we have a biblical mandate of course. I think there's parts of the Bible, which I feel are particularly my responsibility given where God has put me in Parliament, given the opportunities God has given me with our NGO Heart, working for victims of oppression and persecution. For me, that biblical mandate to try to heal the sick, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, speak for the oppressed. And not only the Christian hungry, the Christian naked, the Christian oppressed. The biblical mandate of Christian love is unconditional love to be available for all. It happens at Probably much of our work is with a persecuted church because Christians are perhaps one of the most persecuted people in the world today in different countries like Nigeria, Sudan. So Christians are suffering a lot of persecution. But we also work with the uh, Shan people in northeastern Burma who are suffering at the hands of Burmese regime and their Buddhists. We work with a wonderful organization, SWAN, Shan Women's Action Network. We speak for Muslims, whether it's Rohingya Muslims in Burma or the Muslims in Blue Nile. And it's a privilege uh, to be able to put that Biblical mandate into action for those in need, wherever they may be and whoever they may be. Our Lord was available for all with unconditional love.
0: What have been some important Bible verses on your journey?
1: Well, my Confirmation text, Joshua 1.9, I say I hang on to because I'm often afraid and often dismayed, but I have to remember God is there and indeed I'm so grateful. He's seen me through so many challenges and difficult situations. In our work particularly with those who are suffering so much persecution but I think also Bible reading if I'm often asked to choose a Bible reading for a church service would be the Gospel according to St Matthew uh, chapter 5 verses 1 to 12 because it talks in part about those who are blessed blessed are the peacemakers but also it gets real when it says "But blessed are those who suffer persecution for so your forefathers are persecuted before you we will have suffering in this world Our Lord never promised us life on a feather bed. Indeed, he said, you will have persecution. And so I think it's quite comforting when you're with people who are suffering persecution. For me to remember that that our Lord said there would be persecution. Mm. And therefore, why should our generation be any different? Or why should we uh, not be applied to by our Lord's teaching?
0: The things that you do can be quite challenging and it does seem at times impossible for a young woman like myself or our listeners to change the world like you are doing do you have any advice or wisdom you can offer us that are wanting to make a difference but are a little bit overwhelmed with where to start
1: well i don't think i'm really changing the world we're just doing what we can where we can um, but our little organization heart is very small uh there's four and a half of us in the uk and we just really being born and growing in australia Um, And we work at the moment in a number of countries. We we work with local partners. They're the real heroes and heroines on front lines of faith and freedom. And they're the real sort of miracle workers. But it's a privilege to be alongside them and to support them. We are on overstretch, as it is already. Sometimes when I look around the world and one sees the enormity of need and the huge number of places where people are suffering, you you could feel quite overwhelmed. And you could feel so overwhelmed, the needs are so legion, that maybe you get almost sort of paralysed. Paralytic, you don't know where to begin. So maybe you just don't begin at all. You look the other way. But I think there are two phrases that come to mind. One is, well, our motto back in Heart UK, when you look around and say the needs are so legion, how do you keep going? And what we hang on to is our motto, OK, I cannot do everything, but I must not do nothing. And if we all do something, then we can have the privilege of making a little bit of a difference. And the other thought uh, to share are the words of St. Francis of Assisi, when he said, pity weeps and turns away, compassion weeps and puts out a hand to help. And we can all see a horrible thing on television, latest news from ISIS in Syria, or awful things happening in Boko Haram in Nigeria. We can weep and turn away and just think about something else. Or... Uh, we can weep and try at least to do something to put out a hand to help.
0: Lady Cox, is there any practical steps that listeners can take to support what you're doing with your organisation, HEART?
1: We'd love lots of practical steps for listeners. HEART is very small, as I've said. Uh, two main areas of work are aid and advocacy. So um, on the aid side, any little support, financial support, nothing is small HEART. With our wonderful partners, little goes a very long way. So if there was any fundraising initiatives which we could then use to go to our partners, there's no middlemen. Anything that's given goes straight out to our partners. And to say, they are mustard seed people. We give them a multiply it in marvellous ways. Look at our website, you'll see what I mean. Um, so there is that practical side. But also there's a whole area of engagement and advocacy. And I think we're hoping to set up in HEART Australia a programme we already have in HEART UK, which is a human rights competition. And it has two groups. One is for school students, and the other is for post-school students, university students, college students, or those who've left school. And there are two strands. One is research and, and essay writing. The other is creative, either poetry or art, but on the theme of human rights and some of Hart's work. And if people look at our website, they'll see how it operates in the UK. And we have some absolutely amazing contributions. And what's useful is I think that if Heart Australia can develop this, um, things can go on your website, essays or the visual effects of the creative uh, contributions and winners will probably get a prize of some kind and they'll be the Heart Human Rights Award winners. But whether you win or not, it's something you can put in your portfolio if you're applying to go to uni or university or anywhere else and I think you're going into the area of human rights you can say but I entered and I had an entry in the heart human rights competition writing on whatever the justice issue in Burma or whatever the subject is and so it's something to put in a portfolio of achievements as you move into the next stage of life yeah. so the essay competition is also in the UK and I hope it may develop in Australia what we call our ambassadors programme and again it's on our website uh, but re- if it develops here it's quite fun it's a little list of things that people who want to put Heart can do, and they become recognised as Heart Ambassadors. And they are great assets, and we love them. And I think they find it quite rewarding, again, doing something practical.
0: And finally today, do you have any thoughts or encouragement you'd like to say to our listeners?
1: I think there's so much to encourage young women today. There are opportunities that are available. You've got the world at your feet, in whatever context, or on your own doorstep, there's so much that we can do. Um, sometimes people wonder where to begin or how they choose what to do out of the abundance of things that could be done. I have a little motto, which again I use for myself. It's a cliche, which you may already know, but I think it's quite a profound one and I find it very helpful. And it's, God doesn't want our ability. He wants our availability. Our ability is a little thing. He may want it, he's given it to us. But if we make ourselves available, to God, then he'll use uh, our availability and give us the ability we need to respond to whatever it is he wants us to do. So I think if we just try and make ourselves available to God, just listen in prayer, be available for him. If he opens a door in front and it wasn't your ambition, your intention, but the door opens and you feel it might be God opening that door, to go through that door, to be available for God. And then he'll give the abilities uh, which we need uh, for whatever he wants us to be available for.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing with us some of your journey today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. you to share with you.
0: My prayer is that our listeners would be encouraged and inspired to speak for the voiceless and share God's love. Join us next week as we have a conversation with Christy. She'll encourage and inspire you to listen and read God's word. Until then, have a wonderful week.